Hi, this is Pastor Daniel Bracken. You're listening to Kings Alaska podcast. I hope the word encourages you and you get a touch from God that brings transformation and equips you to experience life with people, power, and purpose. Thank you for joining us. Enjoy the word. And so without further ado, seven different preachers, the last seven words of Jesus. Would you stand up on your feet? All right. And let's go ahead and get into the word. Pastor Kimmy, would you kick us off? Praise the Lord. Put your hands together for Jesus, won't you? You may be seated. Luke 23, 34. Jesus said, Father, forgive them. Today is called Good Friday because what happened on this day in history marked the beginning of freedom from sin for all mankind. This was God's plan from the very beginning. His greatest desire is for his children never to be separated from him because of sin. 1 John 3, 1 says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called the children of God. And through Jesus, we see God's great love demonstrated. Just like his Father, Jesus' heart is full of love and compassion for his people. Time and time again, the word declares Jesus being moved with compassion. That compassion could be seen through his actions to feed the multitudes, to teach them the truth, to heal all their diseases, to deliver the demon possessed, to touch the leper, to comfort the widow and raise her son from the dead. And here, as Jesus is suffering on the cross, we see him moved to compassion once again. Father, forgive them. Even in the midst of being betrayed, tortured, ridiculed, and mocked, he looked on his tormentors with love and forgiveness. With these words, Father, forgive them, Jesus fulfilled what was prophesied about him in Isaiah 53, 12. And he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. It is our sin that he chose to bear upon himself. And yet, Jesus looks at us with that same love that is beyond measure. See what great love the Father has lavished on us? Even now, Jesus is making intercession on our behalf. Romans 8:34 says, "Who is he that condemns Christ Jesus who died? More than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us." Goes on to say in verse 35, "Who shall separate us from the love of God? Shall trouble or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword?" Verse 37 says, "No." In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Won't you receive his love and compassion for you today? Jesus shed his blood so you could be forgiven. Father, forgive them. 
It's what Jesus is saying on your behalf today. Repent and be forgiven. Let God lavish his love on you today. Let him call you his child. Good afternoon. Let's get into Luke 23:43. And Jesus said to him, sure, sorry, I got two different versions here, so I'm going to work with it. Luke 23:43. And Jesus said to him, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Jesus often used these words throughout the word of God as he was actually teaching his disciples in different ones. Truly I say unto you is the regular American Standard Version. The other one is in King James says, Verily I say unto you. He is telling us to pay attention. He is about to say something is very, he wants us to hold on to it as value. It's something he wants to say, hey, listen up, I have something to tell you. The story of the repentant thief demonstrates that an attitude of humility pleases God. The crowd, the soldiers, and the other thief crucified Jesus all mocked him because they were absorbed by themselves and also allowed others' influence to be able to view them of what, who Jesus was. They were unable to see who Jesus really is. But the repentant thief had a completely different attitude, recognizing his own crimes, and he deserved his punishment. He even rebuked the other, the other thief, saying, Don't you fear God? The, this man has done nothing wrong. He realized the innocence of Jesus and recognized him as the Messiah. In the midst of pain and agony through the cross, Jesus removed that and looked by his attitude, was moved by his attitude and the repentance of, of that and faith. Sorry, guys. Jesus promised him more than he imagined. The thief asked for Jesus to remember him more, remember him when he comes into the kingdom. But Jesus assured him that he would take him that very day to promise land, to paradise. What we, what we learn from the saved thief on the cross is that we are all sinners and need a Savior. It is never too late to repent and accept the free gift of salvation. Examine your heart today. John 19, 26 and 27. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciples whom he loved standing by, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her to his own home. One may think how harsh and without compassion for Jesus to refer to his own mother as woman especially in her moment of great grief and sorrow for her son. However, Jesus is actually addressing his mother with tenderness, with honor, and with love. I came across this definition of woman as a woman who is a servant. I found it interesting when I looked at Luke 1, when the angel Gabriel told Mary she would give birth to a son, Jesus. Her response in verse 38 was, I am the Lord's servant. 
Here in John 19, I believe Mary received Jesus' address to her as one of compassion and not harshness, which becomes more evident as he continues to say, behold your son, speaking of his beloved John. In the same way, John received Jesus' love and honor as Jesus entrusted his mother to John. In this scripture, Jesus, as he approaches his last breath, takes the moment to show love, honor, and provision to two faithful and loyal servants of God. Jesus saw his mother and John's grief and position as they watched him hanging on the cross, carrying the weights of the world's sin. He then establishes this new relationship of mother and son. To secure Mary's future of being cared for and attended, as well as expressing his great love and trust of John and trusting his mother to him. Jesus, even in the intensity of his crucifixion, with Roman soldiers mocking him, unbelievers spewing hate and gratifications for their requests being fulfilled, yet he showed his great love and brought about provision to his mother and John, whom he loved. No circumstance can stop Jesus, no matter what we are going through. In Romans 8.32, it says, He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? In Matthew 27, 46, and about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama, sabachthani, that is my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus was quoting Psalm 22, 1 from David. For the first time, his relationship between God the Father and God the Son, Jesus was separated by the sins of humanity. He was fully God, yet fully man. Jesus bore upon himself the burden of all sins of mankind. God sacrificed his Son, and Jesus gave up his life. But Jesus himself never sinned, yet. He, be, he was betrayed by the closest people in his life. He was ridiculed. He was mocked. Hail to the king of the Jews, they say. And they struck him in the face. His bloody body, mangled after being flogged by a cat of nine tails, literally ripping the flesh off his body. A crown of thorns twisted into a scalp. His head was beaten with rods. He was spit upon. His beard was plucked from his face. Spikes driven into his hands and feet. Stripped of clothing, he was humiliated for all to see. But as horrific as these things were, the real agony for Jesus came when he was separated from his father as he hung there on the cross. 
What about you? Have you ever felt separated or alone? Is there pain in your life? What do you cry out for? Are you suffering the loss of someone in your life? Maybe you feel your desperate cries aren't heard. Oh, but they are heard by the voice of God. When Jesus cried out loud on the cross, he knew the desperation of humanity from destruction of sin. He knew that only God could save us. So God sent a Savior, and his name is Jesus. Amen. Separated from God, so we don't have to be. God hears your voice, just like he heard Jesus' voice that day on the cross. Eli, Eli, Lama, Sabachthani, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Thank you, Lord, that you sent your one and only son, Jesus, to die in our place. Amen. Bless the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, praise God. You know, Jesus, he was a man acquainted with our sorrows and our griefs. You know, he knew us. And Jesus is always not only trying to teach us to be like him, fully God, but he's also teaching us how to be human, fully man. Because he made us. He made us in his image. He said, you guys are going to be like me. And I know a lot of people try to detach themselves from their feelings because it's an easier way to live. You could just go through life. Wrote, you know, he wrote the Old Testament so that he could show Israel that they could, they could try to do the letter of the law without him. But it's the spirit of the law that brings life, the Bible says. And Jesus teaches us how to walk in the spirit. But yet, he hung on the cross and said, I thirst. What was he trying to teach us? You got to remember that, that Jesus is 100% man. And he's 100% God. And he's trying to teach us not only how to be God-like, but to be real humans. And he didn't separate himself from his feelings but despite his feelings, he always did the right thing. Your feelings not in your life to control you. Your feelings are in your life so that you can feel what God feels. When you hurt for somebody else besides yourself. When you can put the needs of others before yourself because you have so much of God's love in you. So much of God's compassion. Uh, he hung on the cross and said, I thirst. So that we would be attached to our humanity. The humanity that we find in all-powerful, all-knowing, omnipresent God. Because God's like that. He's like that. And he wants you to be like him. It's not denying our feelings. It's not denying our emotions, but in more and coming contact with them, but knowing that we will still do what we're supposed to do, being led by the Spirit. But we're not robots. You will feel it. 
And when you're God, like he's, he's trying to reveal a, a part of him that we should know. That even though he has to deny some people, even though he has to tell some people no, even though he has to tell some people, wait a minute, he still feels it. He's not cold. He's warm. And he wants you to be warm too. God bless you. I thirst. Praise God. Today we're reading from John 19, verse 30. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. This word translated from the Greek is tetelestai, which is only used twice in the New Testament. Something so powerful in this word. It's the same word that is used to describe something that's being paid in full, a debt or a bill that is paid in full, tetelestai. Something so precious that this word to tell us I was the only, only spoken about in this beautiful love story to God's children. This moment in time, he says this powerful word. It is finished. Translated from the Hebrew, it's the same word that is spoken by high priests when they would present a sacrificial lamb that was without spot or blemish. What was known as atonement or the price of our paid for our sins. So when I look at this text, what do I see? He paid the price? Yes, absolutely. He was the last sacrifice. Yes, he was the lamb of God. He moved us from a place where we had to sacrifice things that meant more to us than we could ever imagine. Those sacrifices that we, we had to pay for things that we didn't even think mattered now. He paid all of those prices with one person. One person. But what stands out the most to me is that he declared it. He spoke the words, it is finished. He spoke them so that we could remember them today. It wasn't just a thought in his mind. He said it so that we could pull what he spoke, all those actions that he took that led up to him hanging on a cross. He took all of that and he declared, it is finished for each and every single one of us. So we need to declare that in our lives. Instead of looking back at the things that we've been paid for, that have been paid for already, we need to declare, it is finished. He has paid the price for you. He has paid the price for me so that we can live in freedom and walk in victory. He knew how important our lives before our lives were even formed in this world. Before we were thoughts, he knew that he was paying a price for each one of us. So we must remember that Jesus' role was not only the most beautiful sacrifice given, this beautiful story that he left for us to hear today. We have to remember that even though we feel unworthy, we, he loves us so much that he was willing to do that for us. He was willing to be selfless for each and every single one of us. And it's not just for a moment in time, but it is for all of time. He paid that price for each of us, saying it is finished. Amen. Matthew 27, verse 50, Jesus, he cried to the Father and said, into your hands I commit my spirit. The fascinating thing about this is that even as Chanel just touched on, 
in John 19, verse 30, that that word there, commit, 15 other places in the New Testament it means to expire to, or to, to breathe out. But in John 19, 30, and also in Matthew 27, he is saying, I am delivering up. I am delivering up my spirit. I am yielding up. I am handing over my spirit. And you know what that means? That doesn't mean that Jesus just went, oh, I'm done. No, it didn't. It means that in the very last moment of his, his final moments on earth, Jesus is saying, I, it was my choice. It was my choice. I lay down my life for you. Even as it says in John 8, 10, 18, Jesus was speaking to his disciples and he says, therefore my father loves me because I lay my life down that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down all by my, of myself. I have the power to lay it down and I have power to take it up again. This command I have received from my father. Jesus is saying that in my final breath, I still have authority. I have kingly authority. And, and, I, and, and he says it with his fi final breath. And not only that, but Jesus is quoting Psalm 31. And that verse, fascinating, you can read through different books of the Bible, like in the book of Job, and, and even the Apostle Paul references that scripture. And it reads, for you are my rock, you are my fortress, for your name's sake you lead me, you guide me, and you take me out of the net that they have hidden for me. For you are my refuge. Into your hands I commit my spirit. You have redeemed me, O Lord, faithful God. Here, King David, that's attributed to King David, as you know, before he became the king, he was in a lot of trouble. After he became the king, he got himself in trouble by his, his sin and different actions. And so he was always crying out to God, no matter what, his, what was going on with him. And in this psalm, David is asserting his righteousness and his innocence in the face of many enemies. He's put his confidence, David has put his confidence, and he's saying, my soul is safe with God. I can commit my soul to God. He's also expressing confidence that the Lord is going to vindicate his life one day. The Lord's going to deal with his enemies, even though his enemies might have thought that they uh, had a temporary victory, that God is going to justify the righteous. And same as Jesus, as he, the son of David, the son of David calls and speaks the same, quotes the same psalm from his, his father, right? Not only did Jesus know that he, that, that he was going to be with God one day, he's making a declaration, I'm committing my life to you, but he knew his life one day, even three days later, was going to be vindicated in the face of all the enemies. They all thought they won, but no, Jesus on the third day rose again and got his vindication. Hallelujah. And in his millennial reign, when he comes back for us again, he's vindicated. And so now, 33 years of ministry on the earth, he cries out, as Hank said, why have you forsaken me? And then he proclaims, even in victory, it is finished. And now is the end of the Mosaic covenant, the beginning of the new covenant. Hallelujah. The temple veil is torn in two from top to bottom. That thing was 60 feet tall and up to four inches wide. No man could have done that. That was God. And it signified that Jesus paid the price. He made a way. He made the way that so we can boldly come before his throne. Come on, let's just stand to our feet and thank God. And so it doesn't matter what's going on this Easter. Resurrection Sunday, we have hope. We have the hope of heaven. Jesus, 
Jesus, because of what Jesus did, we can say to death, where's your sting and where's your victory grave? We've got Jesus and we know that one day we're gonna see our loved ones again. Well, I hope you were encouraged by God's word. Thank you again for listening to Kings Alaska podcast. God bless you. For more great content, go to kcalaska.com and may God's face shine upon you and give you peace.